part two, exponential. Today I want to speak on this idea, right place, right time. Right place, right time. I have no doubt, and I believe this with all my heart, that God has you seated where you're at, in the place and the season you're at, on purpose for exactly what he's called you to do. Let me say, let me say it again, because I want to, if you don't believe it right now, I want to convince you over the next 20 minutes that God has you in the right place, in the right seat, at the right time, to do exactly what he's called you to do. The struggle is, not that God doesn't have us where we're supposed to be, but so often because of our insecurities, our issues, the challenges of life, we feel like if we could only get to the next place, then God could use us. But I believe that God has you in the right seat, at the right place, at the right time to do exactly what he's called you to do. One of the foundational scriptures that we built this church on is Ephesians 3.20. And I'll share what Paul wrote. If you've got your notes, look together. It says, glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. And I'll be honest this morning, I love that passage of scripture and I claim it and I love to claim it when everything is going well. But there's times that I struggle to claim that verse. There's times where I don't feel like God can do greater because I don't feel like I'm worth a whole lot. I feel like the issues of my life stare me straight in the face and tell me you're worthless, you're unusable. And sometimes my shortcomings keep me from experiencing the greatness of God in my life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there, church? I mean, we've all been there at some point. And I'm telling you, one of the issues I deal with is I've got this perfectionist personality. Any perfectionist in the room? I mean, like everything's got to be right before you can move on. I'm such a perfectionist. I see this in the little areas of my life. Like when I'm pumping gas, everybody. I can't leave the pump until all the numbers land on zero, zero. Anybody else? I hate it. And and sometimes, like, I'll squeeze the pump just a little bit too hard, and it'll go $20.01. What do you do in that moment as a perfectionist? You squeeze another 99 cents until you get to zero, zero. That's what you do. (laughs) I've had times where the gas actually overflowed just so that I could get to zero, zero, and everything would be right in the world. It's a sickness. Pray for me, all right? And some of us aren't experiencing the greatness of God, not because God isn't great, but because you have issues that are keeping you from experiencing God's greatness. It's like not God is limiting his ability in your life, but you're limiting God's ability in your life. Because you've dumbed down the great things that God has for you based on the limitations that you see in yourself, not the greatness of who he is. And I just want to encourage you for the next 18 minutes that God has you in the right seat, at the right place, at the right time to do everything that he wants to do in your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. You know, when I look across scripture, I don't see men and women who are qualified, but what I see is men and women who are broken. Men and women who probably didn't deserve to experience the good things that God had for them, but they just made themselves usable. 
they made themselves available. When I think about great men and women in the Bible, I think about men and women like Noah, who was a drunk. I think about Abraham, who was too old. Jacob, who was a liar. Moses, who had a stuttering problem. I think about men and women like Rahab, who was a prostitute, or David, who was used greatly by God, but was an adulterer and a murderer. You've got Elijah, who was suicidal. You've got Job, who went bankrupt and lost everything. Peter denied Christ. Martha was a worrier. Zacchaeus was too small, and Lazarus was dead. If God can use them, he can use us. Can somebody say amen? Listen, listen. I know they, those stories are long ago and far away, but let me tell you, we're people just like them. And some of you, you've let your broken marriage wreck God's plan for your life. Your messy family has made you feel inadequate. Like you're not the mom and the dad that you're supposed to be. Or maybe you've reached your senior year of high school and you're stepping off, but you've got some sin issues and some things in your life that make you feel like you're not good enough. Can I tell you, your value and your worth is not based on anything good you can do. It's based on how good God is. You're in the right place at the right time. If only we would respond in the right way, we would experience the exponential thing God has for us. And I just want to take a few minutes. Rich shared Joshua 1.9, and I want to look at the first few verses of this chapter because there's no greater moment in the, in the history of Israel. No, no, more, no more turning point of a moment than Joshua 1, when God calls Joshua, and I love this chapter, because when I read this chapter, I feel like it's, it's the greatest pregame hype speech that God gives in the Bible. And as a sports fan, I love when they show, man, that coach in the room with all the players, and I mean, his face is so red, I mean, it's about, you know, like blood's just about to come out, I mean, he's just spit flying, and He's, with everything inside of him, he's trying to pour passion into his players. And I can imagine that this moment is probably something like that. Because he recognizes how great an opportunity it is for Joshua to step into everything God has called him to. And I think there's a few things that we can learn from just these few verses that God shares with Joshua. If you've got your notes, look together. Joshua chapter 1, it says this. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And here's what God says. Notice this, everybody. He says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. Let's, let's not go any further before we notice how awesome and how peculiar this hype speech is. The first thing that God shares with Joshua to get him excited and ready to go conquer new ground is Moses is dead. That's no way to start a hype speech, everybody. That's, that, nobody's getting excited about knowing we just lost the greatest leader and champion of the whole nation of Israel. Like, and, and can you imagine what Joshua is thinking and going like, hey, I've spent over 40 years with this guy and I was just with him. Thanks for pointing out the obvious, God. I already knew Moses was dead. But it's powerful, everybody. 
Because I think that God was saying something so important to Joshua. Because Joshua wasn't about to lead the people on the strength of Moses. Moses was gone. It was almost as if he was saying, you've got to let go of your past. If you're going to step into everything God has for you, point number one, if you're taking notes and you need to get your pen out, you've got to let go of your past. Because what I've got for you, you're not going to be able to use the strategy and the tools of yesterday. Moses isn't with you any longer. You're walking into new ground, and the way Moses did it is different than the way you're going to do it. You're the leader for now. And I think some of us today are trying to walk into the new thing that God has for us and still carry the things of our past. You know, Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. He says this. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul understood this, that in order to walk into the next thing that God has for me, i got to let go of my past. L- let me ask you today. What is the thing that you need to bury before you step into the great thing that God has for you? What, what is the thing that you know before you walk out of those doors this morning? You've got to leave at the foot and the cross of Jesus Christ. For some of us, it's unforgiveness. It's, it, it's hurt. It's difficulties. I think for, for most of us, a lot of the past hurts are things that we carry with us. You know, recently I was, uh, Jen and I were on a trip and, we were, we were in this plane, and they had given us this opportunity to watch movies. It's amazing that you can connect a Wi-Fi on an airplane 30,000 feet in the air. And, and I'm not a movie watcher that often, but we had this opportunity to watch a movie and kill some time. And so I had, I had many people the last couple of years tell me, you've got to watch this movie. And, and, and they had it there on the list. I can only imagine. Not too many movies I would recommend. Let me tell you, this was a great movie incredible. I, I cried multiple times through the film. And it's the story of a Christian artist, Barton Miller, of the band Mercy Me. And maybe you've heard of the band. But it's an incredible story about how Bart overcomes so many tragedies in his life. And they reach a place of success where they're traveling. And Bart, Bart reaches this place where he realizes I can't go on any further. I've got to go back home. And so he leaves the band not knowing if they're going to even stay together or not. He makes his way back home. And he goes home to his dad. But he didn't grow up in a a loving, great, healthy family. He grew up in a family that the movie kind of shows you. Where his dad abused him, not only verbally, but abused him physically. Told him he was worthless. Told him he was amount to nothing and everything that he tried to accomplish, his dad just shut down. And Bart reaches a place where he realizes I'm battling unforgiveness so bad I can't even continue to sing on the road anymore. And he goes home and his dad gets cancer and he walks through that and reaches a place where his dad eventually gives his heart to Christ. And there's a lot of healing that takes place before he goes out and God begins to do amazing things through the band Mercy Me. Here's what I'm saying is that some of us in the room, you've walked through seasons maybe like Bart Miller did. Maybe you went through abuse. Maybe you went through failures. Maybe you've gone through relational brokenness. And you've tried to step in the great things that God has for you, but you're still holding on to past issues. Can I just encourage you, leave them at the foot of the cross this morning and walk in everything that God wants you to be. 
I think the second issue that sometimes we hold on to that keeps us from moving forward is insecurity. And this is a huge one for me because so often I lose sight of what God thinks about me because I care too much about what people think about me. So often I find my value, my worth about what people say instead of what God says. Can I just remind you, his voice is so much greater and so much stronger in your life. It it makes me think about a guy who overcame what people thought about him to become really successful in sports. And I I love sports. One of the things that uh, they do is oftentimes before a guy comes out of college, they'll They'll have scouts go out and and look at players and evaluate them before the draft so that they can make sure that they're picking the best possible player they can get in the draft. And this individual had a scouting report about him that didn't look so good. They said about this basketball player that he wasn't a true point guard. He was out of control at times. He had poor shot selection. He lacked versatility to defend multiple positions. This was his scouting report. Check this out. He had limited upside. He relied too heavily on his outside shot. He had average athleticism, average size, average wingspan, average frame. Let me tell you this. The scouting report was wrong on Stephen Curry. He's a three-time NBA champion. He's a two-time MVP, and he's about to walk into his fifth NBA finals this coming week. Let me tell you, we all have a choice to listen to the scouting report or we can listen to God's report. Listen, I don't care what the world says. I want to choose to listen to what God says about my life, that I'm an overcomer, that the best is ahead for me, that I can do all things through Christ who give me strength. Can somebody say amen in the room? Whose report are you listening to, man? Who you believe in? Who you let getting you down? Who are you let discouraging you? Man, stop listening to the voices in your life. Start listening to what God says about you, that you are an overcomer. You can be great. I, I love this thought in your notes. Says, Don't let what's behind you define you. Listen, you, you may have walked through some, some failures, but you're not a failure. Don't attach your mistakes to your identity. That may have what you've been through, but that's not who you are in Jesus' name. Don't let what's behind you define you. Number two is this. Stand on God's promise. You got to trust that what he says about you is true. And sometimes it's so easy to stand on God's promise when we're singing what a beautiful name it is. Man, we walk out and Tuesday, Tuesday life hits us. Sometimes it's tough to stand on God's promise. And let me just encourage you and remind you that when you step out to do something great for God, the enemy is going to do everything he can to distract you and defeat you. He's, he's, the Bible says this, he's, he's roaming like a, a lion, looking, seeking whom he can devour. You know, this week one night I was out mowing my grass and I looked down the street and I saw this guy that I didn't recognize and it was a little weird actually. I didn't think too much about it at first, but then a couple of minutes later I looked and this guy was at my neighbor's house and he was standing by their vehicle and he was looking into their car from the front windshield he had a phone in his hand. He was talking to somebody. I thought, man, this is, this is odd. I kept an eye on him, kind of give, you know, that eye, that neighborly eye. Like, I got you, man. I see you. You are not my neighbor. What are you doing in our neighborhood? A couple minutes later, you know, a couple strips through the grass, I look back up. The guy is across the street. He's looking into my neighbor's windshield. And this is starting to get creepy. Finally, I realized as I watched him walk down the neighborhood, he's about in the fourth house looking at every neighbor's car windshield, I finally realized 
that it's one of those guys that's out looking for the cracks in the windshields. And number one, you know, I'm kind of like, you got to respect the guy's hustle, man. He's out doing it. But two, dude, you're creepy, man. Like, this, there's got to be a better way of doing this. And I had this thought as I watched this guy checking all the guy's windshields out. Because that's the way the enemy works in your life. He's just walking down the street of your life looking for every crack he can. Looking for every place that you don't have guarded. Looking for the websites that he knows you go to. They're creating wreaking havoc in your life. For the social media pages you don't need to be hanging out on. For the conversations and the relationships that are dragging you down and beating you up. He's looking for the cracks. He's looking for the broken places. He's trying to discourage and defeat you every way he can. But in those moments, God reminds Joshua, stand on the promises of God. Don't let the lies of the enemy defeat you. He says this in verse 4. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. Man, I just want to encourage you today like God does Joshua. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. I just feel like the word of the Lord for somebody today, and I don't know who it is, is that God knows where you are and he knows what you're going through. God knows where you are and he knows what you're going through. I think so often when we step out to do great things for God, we can feel lonely and we can feel lost. You know, as I think about these graduates on stage this week, I, I was reflecting on how I felt as a senior. I, was, I, was, I did really well in high school. I'll tell you what, I remember that graduation season because it was one of the most exciting, but it was one of the most anxiety-filled seasons of my life. I, I put so much pressure on myself, and I don't know why I did it. I wanted to do great things for God, but I didn't know who I was going to be, what I wanted to do. My dad was a pastor. Many people told me, oh, you're going to be a pastor. I did everything I could to make sure that I wouldn't be a pastor. I pursued everything. As a matter of fact, I left college, got a scholarship. I moved to Orlando and went to school to be a computer programmer. That's right. After six months of doing that, I was as miserable as I possibly could be. I moved back home. I went to junior college. I just took two years to try to figure out, God, what do you want me to do? I interned with uh, businessmen in our church. And just, I, I looked at every other opportunity. And between my, my sophomore and my junior year, my dad and I, we drove over to Southeastern University. And I remember touring that campus. And I was pursuing, a, I was going to be a business major. And I was going to meet with the golf coach that day because I wanted to get scholarship and play on the golf team. And I was just going to go into business. And that day, I remember standing in the cafeteria. My dad ran into somebody, a, a ministry friend that he hadn't talked to in years. They said, hey, we've got this, this travel, this worship team that they need a worship leader. It's kind of a last-minute thing. So if you know anybody, we, we're, we're looking for somebody. And that was a conversation that ultimately would change my destiny because within a couple of weeks, I connected with the leadership there. I ended up getting involved in that worship team, led that worship team that summer, Two great thing, things happened that summer is that God's call in my life for ministry was confirmed. And two, I met a really pretty lady named Jen. That's right. 
That's right. Can, can I just encourage you, especially even the seniors in the room? Man, if you don't have it all figured out right now, it's okay. Let me tell you, if you're 50 years old in the room and you don't have it figured out, it's okay. Just, just be okay with the fact that it's not okay and that God has you right where you are on purpose. And if you don't understand it all, God is still with you. God is still with you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. Don't feel like it's too late for God to use you or that God, you're too young for God to use you. Listen, he loves taking broken people and doing great things for his kingdom. You're in the right place at the right time to do something great in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen in the room. Amen. Amen. Stand on God's promise. Number three is this. Stay in God's word. Stay in God's word. Stay in God's word. That's what God commands Joshua to do. He says this in verse 8, study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. He gives them this if then. If you, if you do this, if you stay faithful, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. He says this, put me above your plans. Put me above your plans. You want to be successful? Put me above your plans. Put me first. I think, unfortunately, though, what happens in our life is we treat God's word like a fire extinguisher. It's just hanging on the wall, man. And as soon as all hell breaks loose and the fires start, we know where to run and get the fire extinguisher. But that's not the way God designed his word. He wants this to be the source of our life, what shapes us. Jen called me this week. She was pretty frustrated. She said, Wes, I... I'm, I'm going to meet a friend, and I'm stuck on Interstate 75. She said, I, it was the day that, I guess there was a, a truck heading southbound on 75 that caught on fire, and it probably affected you too. I think it affected everybody in this area. She said, I made a mistake. She said, I, I just thought everything was going to be okay. I got out in traffic, and then I looked on my Google map, and it said I had a huge delay. It almost made me feel good because I've done this so many times, you know. I mean, I just, I, I messed up. And I had this thought and this picture of how often we mess this up in our spiritual lives. We wait till we get out in the mess before we consult the map. And God's saying this to us today. Why don't you, before you get out in the, in the mess of Monday tomorrow, why don't you go to the map first and find out what the best direction is for your life? Listen, if you'll go to the map first, it'll make your day a whole lot better than trying to go to the map after you already get yourself in the middle of the mess. Like, go to me, trust me, find your strength in who I am. Let me just encourage you today. Man, renew your relationship with God. Maybe you're walking Sunday to Sunday, but it's time to go, you know what, I need to go day to day with Jesus. I need to turn the worship music on. I need to spend some time in God's word daily and be refreshed by him. I love what Psalm 1 says, happy are those who reject the advice of evil men, who do not follow the example of sinners or join those who have no use for God. Instead, they find joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. It says this, he gives this metaphor, they're like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and who leaves do not dry up. Again, it says they succeed in everything they do. 
God, help me to be a man that craves your heart, that longs for your relationship with you, that seeks you, longs to be with you. Number four, as we close today, I just want to speak life into somebody. Stay encouraged. Stay encouraged. And I don't, I don't know what disappointment or heartache or brokenness you're experiencing in your life right now. I tell you this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you don't have to walk your past anymore. You don't have to walk beat up by the failures of your life anymore. Man, put your head up today. Recognize where your hope and your help comes from here. David said this, I lift my eyes to the heavens. I lift my eyes to the hill. Where does my hope come from? My hope comes from, from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is my strength. He is my help. I don't know what you're walking through today. That's the word that God gives to Joshua. He says this, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love what Winston Churchill, he said this. He said, success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. It's realizing this. I may have failed, but I'm not a failure. And the things of my past are shaping me into the man and the woman of God that he has called me to be. So I'm going to walk into my future knowing that God has a great plan for my life. I'm going to walk in God and I'm going to have confidence. I love what one man said. He, he called it this. He called it Godfidence. And I like that. Godfidence. He said this. Godfidence is having the absolute assurance that God can do anything he wants through anyone he chooses. Oh, is that good or what? Confidence. It's the absolute assurance that God can do anything he wants through anyone he chooses. You're at the right place at the right time to do exactly what God has called you to do. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Would you just bow your heads today?